You're listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we teach you everything you need to know to grow a business. We also certify the world's best business coaches who can help you implement our framework to grow your business. On this episode, we're asking the question, how do you keep overhead from getting out of control? And we know a lot of you out there are overwhelmed by this, which is why today in part six of our series, How Your Business is Like an Airplane, we're focusing on the body or your overhead. Our host, Donald Miller and co-hosts, Dr. JJ Peterson and Kula Callahan will help put your mind at ease by going through everything you need to do to take control of your overhead. Then later on, Don talks one-on-one with Business Made Simple president, Doug Kine, who gives his insight on how you can properly navigate difficult decisions you might have to make to alleviate intense overhead in your company. This is Business Made Simple. Okay, so the body of the airplane represents overhead. And the biggest reason businesses fail is because their overhead gets too high and they don't realize it until it's too late. Okay, so let me give you a situation. Go. So you and Don walk into different businesses and you have 24 hours to cut as much overhead out of their P&L statement as you possibly Mm -hmm. can. What do you do first? So the first place I would start is looking at overhead and just trying to keep overhead as light as possible. And I would start looking at where are we spending money that is not making money? Basically, like you need to start thinking about investing, not spending. Yeah. And that's a mentality shift for a lot of organizations that we see. It's a mindset that you really have to install in every position, right? From Mm -hmm. the C-suite all the way down to the hourly call center employees, right? Yeah. Everybody needs to start looking at every line item in their budget as an investment and not just as a spend. Everything needs a business case. Right. Yes. So if if somebody comes and says, hey, I want to bring, you know, a free Coke machine or a cereal bar into the whatever. <laughs> yeah, I understand all that. That's great. But you have to come with a business case. Right. And the business case might be people are dropping at about 2 p.m. You yeah. know, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's what we mean when we say... Stop spending money and start investing money. Yeah. Right. That everything has to have a business case. Because most people start with the idea of this will make my life easier, which yeah. isn't bad. Or or we've got the money. We've got yeah, the money. Yeah. yeah. And because we have a million dollar line of credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which means you don't have the money. But it has to be more than that. When you really stop and think about when you're saying those words like, well, this would make my life easier. Are you saying that it would just make you relax more at work and work less? Or does it free you up to actually be able to make more money for the company? That's right. And when you can stop and think about it in that way for yourself, not only are you going to be able to raise up in the company quicker, but as a business owner, you're gonna that's one of the ways you're going to start looking at how do we get rid of overhead? How can we actually view it as an investment in order to make more money instead of just spending money? Right. So it it kind of invites all of your team members to run that equation in their brain before they before they, number one, ask for money to buy something or invest in a piece of software and before they, you know, figure out how to use their time for the day. So if they're spending two hours answering emails that they don't need to be answering, that's not generating anything for them or the company. Right. So if they say, OK, I'm going to do the math. If I spend one hour answering emails today and two hours prospecting, my two hours is going to elicit X more number of qualified leads for a business. Those emails can wait. So it's a it's a sort of mindset shift that affects honestly more than just bottom line revenue. It really does change the way that people ap- approach That's their right. work. Honestly, and it has for me in this yeah, company. Doug Kahn, the president of our company, he said something this, that was interesting. He said, um, you know, most people show up for work at most companies with the mindset that they work for a nonprofit. 
and and that will kill your company. And what 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 they mean is they they want to make enough money to cover their paycheck, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't want to grow so that somebody else can get a paycheck. Right. You know, it's like no, let's let's not be too eager or too ambitious or too. I'm paid. <laughs> you know, we no, we have to go in asking ourselves, how does this add to the profit of the company? By the That's way, right. if you want to be a team member that your boss loves, just start thinking that way. Totally. Yeah. You will stand out in you a sea of nonprofit will. workers. <laughs> Nothing against nonprofit. If you're a nonprofit, yeah. you're a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we are a for-profit company and probably 90% of the people listening to this podcast work at a for-profit company. So that's the, that's the big shift in the mindset. Yeah. So what we really are talking about with the overhead being the body, if the overhead is too big, the body of the airplane is too big and the airplane's not going to take off. Or if it's already in flight, it's not going to go very fast. Or it's going to sink. Or it's going to sink. Crash. Yeah, crash and burn. So we've got to keep overhead as light as possible. So here's kind of the filtering question. With every dollar that you spend on your business, you have to ask yourself, how much money is this going to make us? And if the answer is none, then you really need to question that decision of whether or not to buy that thing or invest in that piece of software or hire that person. It's great the way you phrase that question because you didn't say, is this going to make us money? You actually said, how much money is this going to make us, which is a much harder question to answer. Your expenses start creeping up and they aren't either contributing to profitable product development or product creation, sales or marketing, it's probably just making the body of your airplane bigger and your plane is going to slow down. Which sometimes has to happen. Yep, that's I mean, true. We, we spend an enormous amount of money doing, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you know, when we, when we bought the new office a couple of years ago, we wired in or we plumbed in water to the coffee machine so yeah. that people didn't have to <laughs> yeah. cross them. There are things, I'm not saying... Don't spend money on any of right. it. Right. You just got to be surgical it in your evaluation hurt. of it. Yes. Yes. You, yes. You, and you should know what hurts and what doesn't hurt. Plumbing a coffee maker hurts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, when I go up yeah. to the studio where we record everything, there's 25 miles of cable we don't use. There's lights <laughs> laying around we don't use. Does there's cameras sitting there we don't use. There's scaffolding. It hurts. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> yeah. this isn't making us money. I know. It's just collecting in the overhead. So it's stuff like that. And I would say- we're the leanest company I know. Pretty so lean. if, if yeah, if we're doing that Our stuff. Our body is a wonder man. <laughs> 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 Don, JJ, and Kula will be back in just a minute. But now it's time for the Marketing Made Simple moment where we give you practical marketing tips to grow your business. Ever hear this myth? More money will fix your marketing problems. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Here's the truth. Clarifying your message fixes marketing problems. Dr. JJ Peterson, our StoryBrand expert, talked with StoryBrand certified guide Brian Soy to debunk this myth. When he started working with Gorjank Home Services, Brian began addressing their marketing problems by clarifying their message, which ended up dramatically boosting traffic to their website, leading to an increase in revenue. The first thing we did is we walked them through creating a brand script. Yeah. You know, they're a home services company, so they sell heating and they sell cooling. And we said, we're going to talk about the customers and we're going to talk about their problem. And we're going to talk about what a broken water tank is preventing them or keeping them from enjoying. Oh, I love it. I mean, I don't love the broken water tank, but I love the (laughs) approach. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. So it's not about the equipment. It's about having a comfortable home. When you clarify the message for your customer, you actually do the work for them, right? You actually show them why they need your product and why it's going to make their life better. Just changing the language on the website, how did that increase traffic? How did that increase engagement? How, How did that all work? 
Well, it's increased traffic on the website at least 800%. Holy cow. <laughs> now we've got content that people can find. Yeah. Even in the pandemic last year, they had about 11% increase. Unbelievable. What would be like three tips that you could give people who are kind of in that space right now and not growing during the pandemic? Three things that they can do in order to change their marketing and messaging right now in order to grow. The first one is always to focus and fo focus on who your customer is and how you solve their problem. Mm -hmm. Then the second one would be We'll create a brand script, create that simple marketing message that, that walks through the story brand process, and then distill that down to your one-liner, because really the one-liner is the essence of it. We know that this is your problem, and we have solved this for hundreds of other customers like you. And finally, connect to their, your, the business strategy they have and, and create a business strategy out of that focus. Connect it with the results they want to achieve, and then work backwards. So it's in the messaging, it's in the, the brand that aligns with that messaging that connect that business strategy with the results. But if they're not measuring what the results are, they don't have a goal for the results, then they're just drifting in between. And it's a direct line between, between strategy and results. Um, messaging connects that all in between. I love that. I love that. The clarify your message, distill it down, create a brand script, and then really connect all of that to your goals and where you're headed. Develop a whole strategy around this new messaging. So Brian, thanks so much for joining us. And here's to another amazing year of growth for you and growth for them. Well, thank you, JJ. I appreciate the time to talk and to you know talk about the one thing we love so much, uh, story brand. Yep. <laughs> all right. Take care, my friend. Work with the best marketers in the world to clarify your message and hire a StoryBrand certified guide today. Just go to marketingmadesimple.com or if you are a marketer and want to join our amazing guide community, apply now at storybrand.com guide. Okay, so I'm curious and JJ, maybe you can speak to this, but right now, how could somebody cut their overhead down? What are some of the questions that they need to be asking themselves in order to eliminate some of the unnecessary overhead in the body of their business? One of the quickest things you can do is just go through credit cards well, and, scary. See, and <laughs> see what subscriptions you're paying for that you don't need. And I also mean, ask who has credit cards. Well, right. uh, yes. A couple years ago, we stopped and did that. And we literally saw that we were double paying for things. And there's other places that don't show up on credit cards. I remember... Um, when, when we were growing pretty quickly, we needed a lot of legal consultation. Yes. And so when you call a lawyer, they're charging you. <laughs> if you take a lawyer to lunch and buy that lunch, they also build you $150. Billable hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. billable hours. And like you said, Don, we're pretty overhead conscious as a business, I would say. And it's crazy how fast the body of an airplane can get bloated yes. when you take your eye off it for a day. Yeah. Right. Like these subscriptions you were talking about. I mean, it's not like we were just aimlessly swiping the credit card. Right. Yeah. We just didn't know what we didn't know. So the body of an airplane was growing exponentially without us even knowing it. So it seems obvious, like, duh, you have to keep overhead down and you need to be profitable. But it's something that just creeps up because it's, it's day in and day out expensive that just add up over time that end up really, really draining your cash flow and causing your airplane to get bloated. OK, so, Don, if you had 24 hours to eliminate overhead in a business, what would you do? Well, one of the things I would look at, the two biggest overhead expenses are people and places. Right. Yeah. Buildings. It's buildings. Yeah. And especially post-COVID. Yeah. You know, we have to ask ourselves, are these buildings really necessary? This is what a lot of people don't understand about business. Most businesses exist to buy real estate. Yeah. <laughs> That's why these, and you, you sit there and you say, to, you, you asked Ray Kroc, who, who 
really scaled up McDonald's from a few stores to however many trillion stores they have now. You say, what business are you in? He would have told you real estate. He said, we sell hamburgers in order to pay for the land. That's how we get the land for free. We sell hamburgers. Chick-fil-A does the same thing. And most businesses do that. So you actually have to sort of weigh, wait a second, you know, if we go remote, where are we going to put our profit? Are we going to put it in the stock market, which is scary, mm-hmm. right? Uh, are we going to, you know, what are we going to buy? It, it, a business exists to buy assets that make it money. That's usually uh, how a business operates. That said, one of your biggest expenses and one of your biggest burdens on cash flow is usually rent. And right now, we have all discovered this amazing technology that if you have a good execution system, that is, if you have a series of standard repeatable meetings with worksheets that everybody fills out in order to have those meetings, which is what management and execution made simple that we're working on is built on. If you do that, you might not need a building at all. And, and our company certainly doesn't. So we're sort of dealing with this now. Like, do we go buy a building or or do we just keep doing business the way we, we had a 20 or 30% increase in revenue and profit without a building? So uh, that's a great place to look at overhead. Well, and you have to just ask that filtering question, right? How much more money is us having a building going to make us in the next 12 months? Yeah. What's the business case for a building? Absolutely. And yeah. it's a little bit tougher to answer that you speak. I will also say this, Kula, just as the owner, it's actually really easy for me to make an emotionally emotional decision that is a bad decision. Yeah. Because yeah. I want to go touch the thing right. that I'm buying. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to totally. t- You can't touch GameStop stock. Right. But you can touch a building. Like physically can yeah. like want to touch this. And yeah. so, you know, there's an emotional aspect of this where I'm saying, but I want to own a thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm starting to realize that, that at this point with our company, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. It's going right. to it's going to increase overhead. So it's not just bloated overhead. Mm-hmm. It's the opportunity cost of yes. bloated overhead is costing you. And then that compounds and compounds yep. and compounds. OK, so practically speaking, for all the folks listening to this conversation, the, the ways that you eliminate overhead the fastest are to go through your credit card statements and just look at the subscriptions that you're paying for. Check out how much money you're spending on rent or on your building. And then one of the biggest money pits that people see when they look at overhead is just technology that they aren't using anymore. So old pieces of software that you don't know that you're still paying for, get that stuff out of your credit card statement so that you can free up that money and invest it into something that's actually going to make you money. Okay, here's a challenge for everybody listening. I want you to cut your overhead by 15%. And we're not saying like, go lean and and let's all be malnourished. (laughs) That's not (laughs) what we're talking about. We're saying, you know what the most dangerous position you can be in so that overhead creeps without you knowing it's happening? When you're flush with cash. Yes. That's how overhead creeps in. And it's it's a... Irresponsibility. It's it's you're not stewarding yep. the 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 money that that's being handed your way. And, yeah. And um. And this doesn't have to be a taxing process. Just literally go to your credit card statement and print it out. Take a red sharpie and circle the subscriptions that you're going to cancel that day. And also your profit and loss, not just subscriptions. I yeah. mean, it's really just why did we spend eight hundred bucks on X? What yeah. is that? Yeah. Right. And M and M's for the office. Yeah. How many people did we take <laughs> to lunch this month? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's just all over the place. Your, your profit and loss is another good thing. It can be a one-time audit that ends up saving you tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars totally. this year. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and it's, a, it's a worthwhile exercise. 
So the one thing that we haven't really discussed as it relates to overhead is people. It's the big one. It's the big (laughs) one. The salaries you pay the employees that you love. The big bodies. (laughs) So it's tricky because, you know, when you think about expenses, salaries you pay people are the number one expense that you pay every single month. Mm -hmm. But you can't just go in and fire everybody, right? So (laughs) you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. No, Don, you cannot. No, Don. It's sort of a delicate thing. It's like, how do you take a surgical look at how much you're paying people and how much those people are making you? Because that's also something you have to think about when you look how much you pay people how much money are they bringing into the company is this somebody i'm spending money on or is this somebody that i'm investing in who is getting me a really great return on or can i move them around yeah usually people who are you know really expensive and not getting a return i'm going to say this and it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable but i'm going to say it they're not well managed that's it's actually, it's point. not, it's not yeah, totally yeah. their fault. Right. It, totally. It, they're just not well managed. And, and sometimes it's because you just, there's no time to get over there and manage that person. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point you might have to let them go, but you also have to acknowledge it's not their fault. Yeah. And, and so you, those are the questions that you want to ask, you, you know, do we let somebody go? Do we get in there and give them a clearer job description and some direction and accountability that actually turns them into a money-making machine? Yeah. Uh, what do we need to do? But uh, we talked about a lot of things that you can do really quickly. And maybe one of the re- reasons that intuitively we left talent management to the very end is because I actually think it's the last thing you want to do in this audit. Yeah, for uh, sure. Normally, you'd walk right into a company and you'd say, okay, we're going to let 15% of the, the folks go. Which is what happens a lot. It happens an awful lot. Sad. And sometimes it has to happen to save the company, mm-hmm. you know, especially when a market is being disrupted or, you know, uh, you're just going down. To answer this, I feel like the three of us probably weren't going to be able to talk about this with much experience because we've never had to do that. But Doug Kime is the president of our company. Doug came over from a, a multi-billion dollar company and he was at a multi-billion dollar company before that. And he understands this whole world. He's a fix-it guy. Mm-hmm. He would go into companies that were tanking and he would turn them around within 12 months. And usually the big problems were talent, payroll, and rent on facilities. The two big things. That's it. Those are the two big ones. I mean, we can go through our credit card statement and end our subscriptions. It's a nice way to shift the mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. of your team, right. but it ain't going to it ain't gonna bring the plane back up. <laughs> it's payroll and it's rent. And uh, so I asked Doug to come on and share some stories and some experience that might help some of us who are listening make some really tough decisions and, and get it done and ask ourselves how we do that. I've never done wholesale cuts at a company. Uh, you sadly were a fix-it guy for a lot of years going into a company and helping <laughs> them figure out how to get the airplane flying right. And usually that meant overhead analysis and uh, executing on a plan. Can you tell us, uh, you know, let's say you, you've, you've, your overhead is too high right now and you walk into a company. Can you tell them how to analyze where to cut, uh, how quickly we get to talent and how to cut talent in a way that is professional? Yeah, you know, Don, I think it really starts with installing a talent management system, you know, where you you have a professional way to evaluate performance and evaluate the fit and fitness of even the roles. So, you know, for most companies, 60-70% of their cost is you know, wages and benefits. So, you know, I I think most companies get into trouble and and when they and they rehearse for this for years by not being aggressive on talent management. Doug, when you say rehearse, you don't mean rehearse in a positive way. You mean rehearse in a negative way. They they, they don't 
have a talent management system and they rehearse bad practices. That's exactly right. So it's, you know, kind of the name of the game when it comes to managing overhead, I believe really starts with having a talent management system that you trust and that is ongoing. Well, when you say talent management system, that's probably the first time a lot of people have ever heard that phrase. What does it mean? I I would think of hiring, firing, uh, processes of developing people, compensation processes. Is is that it or is, is it something other than that? Yeah, that's a big part of it. I, I think, you know, starting out with a, a clear view of what success looks like in each role and having the mindset that these are not, you know, costs for a business, these are investments. Right. And, you know, we teach this, Don, at Business Made Simple, that a salary is an investment intended to pay off. And when when you have that mindset all the time, if you do hit headwinds, you can react in the context of your talent management system. What I'm hearing you say is, is when it's time to trim overhead and you know you've got to let people go, that basically, uh, and I don't mean to be reductionistic about human beings uh, because we all know that human beings are priceless, but you look at the positions and the people in those positions, not unlike you'd study your stock portfolio, and you would say, are the investments we're making in these positions getting a return? And at the bottom, when you have to cut overhead, at the bottom of that list, if you will, that's where you would start cutting. Is that fair to say? That's 100% right. Don, you know, when COVID hit our company, you and I talked right away and said, if we were going to make cuts, this is where we would go. And it's because we have ongoing conversations about talent management that we have on a consistent basis. In other words, we're watching the stocks. We have our eye on the, on the stock portfolio 100% of the time. And there's no greater investments than the people that show up at work every day. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, in case our, our team members are listening, it started with me. <laughs> no salary for Don. That's where we were going to go first. Doug, I've, I've emailed somebody and said, hey, we need to talk. Uh, we're jumping on a Zoom call. They're coming into my office. Uh, they've been with me two, two and a half years. Uh, I really like them. They've got a strong work ethic, but uh, their position because of changes in the market or because of COVID or because of whatever are, are no longer necessary. They're no longer a profitable stock. Nothing to do with them, everything to do with the market. How do you have that conversation? What do you open with? What are the things that we need to remember when we're letting somebody go? You, you've got to remember if you want to build a strong culture long term, that conversation is, is going to be repeated outside of that room or outside of that phone call or Zoom call. And so you, you still want to make sure that that person's personal dignity is not assaulted. But I think you talk about the challenge that the company is facing and that it's really unfortunate, but we, we have to make some really aggressive cuts and this is going to impact them. And I think I think if you have a good strategy to allow them to exit with more than two weeks pay, you know, there's got to be some kind of severance, some kind of soft landing, and you just got to step up and do what you think is the right thing to help them make a transition into something else. But, you know, you've got to decide two things. One, you're going to, you're going to shoot straight with them. And second, you've got to determine what that transition looks like. If it has to be two weeks because the company is really in meltdown, these are tough conversations, but that's part of leadership and that's part of you know, saving the company at times. Yeah. I mean, we can't forget that really what we're talking about metaphorically is flying an airplane. 
And sometimes weight just has to be taken off the airplane before it can take off or sometimes before it can land, you'll dump gasoline somewhere in order to get the plane down safely. But you're talking about the rest of the lives on, on board that plane getting down safely. Now, where that metaphor falls apart is we're not talking about life and death. This person can go out and get another job and hopefully they're skilled and, and, and the, the experience they had wherever they are with you is helpful to them doing that. If you don't have an inspiring, optimistic conversation on the heels of making cuts, you're going to look like a leader that doubts the, you know, the ability of the company and the ability of the team to be successful together. You're making these cuts so the company can unlock value and, and get into a growth mode again or get healthy again. Doug Kime, thank you so much. I mean, let's be honest, today's episode was tough. It was about cutting overhead, and that is often about cutting people. It doesn't have to be. You've got other things to consider. You've got rent, you've got subscription, you've got technology. But the reality is uh, we probably at times need to let people go. And even if we don't have to cut overhead, if you have a bad investment on your team, you should act soon. I, I want the person who I'm letting go to respect me six months from now. I, I forfeit the expectation that this person is going to like me during the meeting, and I forfeit the expectation that they're going to like me a week later, two weeks later, even two months later. You just have to let go of that. Uh, they, you want them to respect you six months from now when the dust is settled in their lives and they have their bearings. The whole idea is take care of the person, take care of yourself and your emotions, take care of your reputation, take care of their reputation, and take care of the reputation for the company. So how are you going to move forward to save yourself from overhead overwhelm? Let us know on Twitter using hashtag Business Made Simple Podcast. And with that, thanks for listening to the Business Made Simple Podcast. You can apply now to become a Business Made Simple Certified Coach at CertifiedCoach.com. And on the flip side, hire a Business Made Simple Certified Coach to grow your business by going to HireACoach.com. Never miss an opportunity to continue learning how to grow your business by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or honestly, wherever you listen to podcasts. The Business Made Simple podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by me, Bobby Richards. It's hosted by Donald Miller, Dr. J.J. Peterson, and Kula Callahan. Tim Schur is our executive producer, and Melissa Peduzzi and Lindsay Frail are co-producers. That's all for this episode. See you next week. Your body is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing. That, I think that's what's great about it. We recognize that and we're making you do it.